Welcome to Tashma. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip, and this is the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. This year, I'll be writing a series of essays reflecting on the holidays through wisdom from the Talmud. I hope you'll join me on this journey. Today, we'll hear an essay written for Yom Ha'atzma'ut by Rabbi Avital Hochstein, president of Hadar in Israel. Let's dive in. I live in Israel. I am moved to tears on election days and proud to build a nonprofit organization that receives certification every year from the State of Israel. I often, both in theory and in practice, explore what it means to be the majority in the political realm and engage the question of how to hold that power morally. This is both an opportunity and a privilege that Jews have not had for thousands of years. The concept of the sanctity of the land, Kedushat Haaretz, simultaneously gives meaning to and creates a tremendous challenge to life in the State of Israel. Yom Ha'atzma'ut, the birthday of the State of Israel, is an opportunity to ask what is the meaning of living in a place to which holiness is attributed? In what ways is it possible, worthwhile, and appropriate to exist on a daily basis in that holy place? It is clear to me that holiness has potential negative implications in the context of a modern democratic state. We witness the results of this negative dimension when people claim that in the name of holiness, others must be oppressed, or when they understand the holy place as one that needs protection from others who don't perceive it in the same way. For me, Yom Ha'atzma'ut is an occasion to ask what possible implications there may be that can give meaning for us today in the state established in the Holy Land. Rabbinic sources serve as a fundamental and intrinsic source of inspiration for me and for the state of Israel as a whole. I would like to present three different conceptions of holiness, each arising from verses in the book of Leviticus and rabbinic interpretations of those verses, as a series of windows into these questions. A. Be holy, be separate. Kedoshim tihiyu, poshim tihiyu. Leviticus 19 presents us with a call to be holy. Speak to the whole Israelite community and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. What does the verse say about holiness? And what impact? does this understanding have on life in the state of Israel? The interpretive tradition understands this as a call for differentiation or separation. The halachic midrash on Leviticus specifies, be holy, be separate. And commentators throughout the ages echo this interpretation. Rabbi Bechaye ibn Parkda clearly and succinctly explains, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. According to the simple meaning of the verse, holiness is a matter of separation and difference. According to this perspective, the holy place, or the holy thing, are not inherently sublime. The attribution of holiness does not 
imply superiority, but rather a claim of otherness or uniqueness. In other words, the holy place first and foremost is not like other places. The challenge for life in the holy place, then, is defining the differences, characterizing the uniqueness, and maintaining them. Countries differ from each other in all kinds of ways. For example, they vary in the rhythm of life in the public sphere, the calendar, and the nature of their day of rest. Thus, in the state of Israel, we can ask, what is the day of rest? Who rests on Shabbat? What is the nature of this rest? And how do we ensure rest for everyone? How will we take care of those who do work on Shabbat? And more. Countries also differ from each other in the nature and manner of the demands for the common good that they impose on their citizens or residents. What will taxes look like in Israel? From whom will we demand how much and how? How will we distribute resources according to need, to contribution, or to some other criteria? Will we require service and contributions other than financial ones? What might such service look like? Military, social, welfare, etc. And will we demand it from everyone? In other words, if holiness is uniqueness, then life in the state of Israel is actually an opportunity to wonder what makes a democratic and Jewish state unique. B. That I may be sanctified in the midst of the Israelite people. Any expression of sanctity may not be recited in a quorum of fewer than ten. A few chapters later in Leviticus 22, a second call to holiness is described, this time in terms of relationships. The verse describes the circularity and reciprocity of the relationship between the Israelites and the Holy One, a relationship in which each party allows or can create opportunity for the holiness of the other. You shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified in the midst of the Israelite people, I the Lord who sanctify you. God is described as the one who sanctifies Israel, and the Israelites also enable the sanctification of God among themselves. The Gemara in Tractate Megillah derives a principle from the verse. Any expression of sanctity, the Varsha may not be recited in a quorum of fewer than ten. It is precisely the gathering, the grouping, the togetherness that create the space for any expression of sanctity. Expressions of holiness cannot be done alone. This perspective characterizes the holy place as the place of togetherness, the place of gathering, the place where there is a possibility of meeting. The shared space is the holy place. A holy place, therefore, poses a challenge, a threshold we strive to reach, the creation of a space of togetherness, one that allows for the existence of a collective, where human beings, each in the uniqueness of their creator, can exist together. In a national and political sphere, where there is a majority and a minority, 
where there are Jews, Muslim, Christians, and members of other religions, where there are Jews, Arabs, and Palestinians, where there are people on the right, center, and left, and many from diverse origins. How can we be together? How can one express or acknowledge the sacred even if one disagrees? Even if one's narratives and understandings include blame and shame, such as exists between Sfaradim, Mizrahiim, and Ashkenazim, between Jews and non-Jews. How do we create a language, a country, an atmosphere in which there is a readiness to join together, to create and build a collective? Will our collective be narrow, one-dimensional, and reflect similarity? Or will it manage to be broad and out of loving curiosity to create a holiness made of a broad and diverse collective? In a country with the potential to be a holy place, these are existential questions. C. But you may eat whatever the land during its Sabbath will produce. Only a few chapters further on in the book of Leviticus, we are provided with a third and different definition of holiness in general and the essence of the holy place in particular. Here, the place is characterized not by uniqueness, nor by togetherness, but by a negative quality, lack of ownership. This definition arises, among others, from the laws of the sabbatical year and the special treatment of produce grown during the Shemitah. Produce grown in the seventh year is holy, embodied with Kedushat Shvi'it. Its sanctity is reflected in severe limitations on the ways it may be handled and used. For example, it is forbidden to sell sabbatical produce to exploit it for profit beyond the need of basic sustenance. It is forbidden to throw it in the garbage. We do not own it and therefore it is forbidden to destroy. It must be consumed in the manner in which it is customary to eat it, whether raw or by cooking. It is not a platform for human experimentation and creativity. What its sanctity means to us is that even though a person is allowed to eat it, and despite the confusion that may arise, human beings are not the owners of the produce sanctified by the sabbatical year. Permission to eat is not evidence of ownership. I may benefit from it, but I cannot exploit it. We find similar laws in regards to a holy places. For example, it is forbidden to use a synagogue or the temple for a shortcut. It is forbidden to use the holy place to take advantage of it or make it a means, an instrument for me. I don't own it. The challenge then of living in the holy place is to live with the awareness that I do not own that place. The Holy Land is not a place that I can exploit or utilize. It is not a means or a tool. On the contrary, our relationship to the Holy Land is the opposite of one of ownership or utility. Within this consciousness, 
How must a state treat its land? What does agricultural work look like? What about waste management? What laws will ensure that the land is not misused, destroyed, or exploited? That our way of living on the land is sustainable? That we are cognizant of our lack of ownership? What will the division of the land look like for different populations with different needs? All these questions arise from this definition of holiness. And so, living in the state of Israel, while recognizing that our tradition requires us to treat the land with holiness, results in a distinct relationship with the land. This entails being conscious of our existence in a place that is considered holy, that we do not possess. It demands a heightened awareness of being a unique place, one that requires us to define and maintain its distinctiveness. Lastly, it means being present in a place that has the potential to be sacred if and when we can all gather in it together. How do we design a public space and set of laws and values that allow such a broad and substantial togetherness? What realms might we choose to leave mundane, chol, realms where we are more separate, utilitarian and typical, average or universal, rather than sacred and unique? These are all the questions of the hour. Our producers for this podcast are Sam Greenberg and Jeremy Tabak. Thank you to David Chabinski for editing this episode. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you.